Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right, I need you to think. Sorry, it's a good idea. I want you to think. In your lifetime, and I'm not asking you, don't, don't respond outwardly, but in your lifetime, who, which president was your favorite president? Okay? Think about that. You got it? Okay? Now, what I want you to imagine is that president, if not, not still alive, is still alive. Okay, imagine that. The president's still alive. And you got word Somehow or other, he wants to meet you. He wants to come to your home, have a meal with you, sit down, spend the evening, and talk with you. And um, would you say cool and never think about it again until he showed up? No, you'd what? You'd start figuring out, what, whoa, what, uh, what kinds of things do I want to ask? What kinds of things do I, what kind of things do I need to be prepared to say? How do I want to dress, Right? Uh, what, what are we going to feed? What is the president like? I don't want to feed him something he doesn't like. And, and so we'd be thinking, making all of these preparations because we're going to be needing him. Well, today we're going to see that we have a meeting coming that's very much like that, only bigger, way more important. So let's do a quick review from last week. Last week we looked at the, what the Bible says, what it calls the great white throne judgment. And this is where everyone who has never received Christ as Savior, okay, they haven't received Christ as Savior, they've lived their own way, done their own thing, will stand in judgment before God and their, uh, how they lived will be evaluated. And it's going to show, like it would for all of us, sin after sin after sin after sin after sin. And they will be judged and found guilty and the penalty is hell. Okay? But then we saw that, that, that we don't have to stand at that judgment. If we will place our faith and trust in Christ, as the Bible talks about being saved, being born again, then we won't stand at that judgment. And so here's the question. Since Jesus has paid in full for all of our sins, will Christians be judged? Right? Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, paid it in full, and we accepted that payment by faith when we trusted Jesus. So will we be judged? Okay, because this idea after the great way, what Jesus has done for us, no judgment for sins, right? We see that, no judgment for sins, and no great white throne judgment for us, right? You with me on that? Go ahead and go to that if you would, Malachi. We will not be judged for our sins. Isn't that good news? That's really good news. Okay? But so, what, what is the deal? Will we face any judgment? And yes, the Bible says that we will. For those who have received Christ as Savior, who are, are followers of His, we would call them Bible-believing Christians, we will appear at what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, the judgment 
seat of Christ. Go ahead, Malachi. Yeah, there we go. So let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five, and it's on page 1329. It's the Bible under the chairs there in front of you, and we encourage you to follow along. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, what we know is gonna happen for us when we die, that, that this body is kind of like a tent that we live in. It's temporary. Tents, when we're done, they get folded up and put away. And so that's the way we are. We live in this body, but at some point this body stops working, right? And so we leave this body and he's talking about how the Lord has plans for us in that. But so let's go over to verse six now of chapter five. So he's saying, yeah, God's got us covered, taking us to heaven, we're all set there. And then he says this, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight, okay? So the Lord is present in us, isn't he, as believers? The moment we receive Christ as Savior, his spirit comes into us, and that's how we're born again. That's how we, the old dies and the new comes to life with his life in us. And so he is present in us, but at the same way, we are not actually in his presence, though, are we? We're in each other's presence today. I can see you, you can see me, we can interact with each other directly. And what he's saying, as, as long as we are here in this life, as long as we are at home in the body, well, the, the tent hasn't been put away yet, he says we're absent from the Lord. We don't have that direct, uh, I wanna be careful because we do have a direct connection with him, but it isn't like if you and I were talking, right? Does it make sense? Do you guys follow what I'm saying? It's a different, and that's what he's trying to say. But he says we're confident, though, because we know that the Lord is there. We're going to be there one day, but as long as we're here, we're absent from the Lord. And he's setting up something else he wants to say. Therefore, we walk by faith, not by sight. So we can't see the Lord with our eyes right now, uh, but we believe these things, and we trust that they are true. And we, we bank our lives on that. And then he says this, verse 8, we are confident Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he's really, there's, there's two ways that we as adults live. We, if we're believers in Christ, right? We are either in the body and absent from the Lord or if we are absent from the body, meaning what? We've passed away. Our bodies have died. Which that always, it just, let me just share, when I, when I do funerals, memorial services, I always have this mixed feeling. Because on the one hand, man, we have a lot to rejoice, don't we? When, when we die or someone dies and goes to be with the Lord, that's good news, and actually I'm gonna uh, preach on that next week, okay? But it still hits us so hard. When you have someone you know, someone you love, that you can tell that the, they aren't there anymore, right? But the good news for us as Christians, they're, absent, or they're present with the Lord. But I have this, like I said, this, this mixed feelings because, and, and then we go to the grave site often and I, I do something there. I feel angry. I feel angry at what sin has done. Sin has brought all of the suffering in the world. 
not, it's not a direct link, my sin brought that, right? But the curse of sin in the world, all the evil, the wickedness, the craziness, the suffering, the pain, the dying, all of that stuff, I feel angry about that. But then that's over, overshadowed by the fact that we have this great joy, don't we? That this person that we knew, this fellow believer who is in the body right now and then one day all of a sudden isn't. We know that, yeah, they're lost to us as far as being in their presence. But man, they are in the presence of the Lord. Which is going to be better than anything we can imagine. So let me, let me get back to the sermon here. All right, so see, he's saying, really, we're, we would be well pleased rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. And, and that will come to us. Verse nine, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. So when we talked earlier about, imagine this, your favorite president, he wants to come, and so you kind of, wow, I'm gonna see him. And what you're thinking is, I want his experience of coming and talking to me to be well pleasing to him, right? Well, how much more should we know that if we're going to one day find ourselves leaving this body to be in the Lord's presence, that we want to, to prepare for that and live now? And when we get there, in a way that's pleasing to him. What has Jesus done for you? When you really stop and think about what has the Lord done for you? I mean, we know, we can talk about some of that, the forgiveness of sins and so we'll, I'll just hold on to that. Let's, let's go on. All right, so we're making it our aim. We want to please the Lord. And then he says this, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, we've already settled it. We are not being judged for our sins. Jesus was already judged for our sins, and we will not be at that great white throne judgment where we will be judged for our sins. But nonetheless, our life is going to be evaluated. We're going to be in the Lord's presence, and our life is going to be evaluated. What we did that was good and what we did that wasn't. So there is an evaluation. Do you think that when you consider that this is Jesus you're with, looking at your life, that that will matter to you? I mean, the Bible says now we see through a glass darkly, right? We have an understanding of the Lord in heaven and it certainly is sufficient for what we need to do and respond. But man, that moment that you leave this life and you see the Lord, you see him in his holiness. I think one of the first things we're gonna, if we have a conscious thought, it'll be, how did I get here? And as you look at Jesus now, you know how you got here, don't you? That first eye contact, that always. We sing songs and right, and all of a sudden a line pops up and it talks about being in the Lord's presence and seeing him and it's like, I just can't imagine. <laughs> we sing that song, I can only imagine, right? And so that's, that's where we're headed. And the idea is that's the one, he's the one who we're gonna look at our lives with and we're gonna evaluate our lives with him. 
And then he says this, verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. That's kind of that last phrase of reference to some of the theme that he has going on through this letter. But knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And so I think the idea is this, that and we saw it last week, that Everybody who has to stand at that great white throne judgment, being judged for their sins, knowing they'll be found guilty and condemned, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. It ought to be terrifying to us, even though we aren't going. It's a terrifying thing. And so Paul says, yeah, we're going to be with the Lord and we're going to evaluate our lives. And, and now we understand, the more we'll understand the Lord so much more then than we do now. And he says, Wow, knowing how this is all going, we persuade men, we persuade people. You need to, to have a relationship with Christ. You need to take care of this. Let Jesus take care of the payment for your sins. As well as certainly just reminding ourselves, wow, this is a big deal for us to be standing before the Lord. All right, so we see here in this passage that there's a goal, and the goal is what? Please the Lord. And then there's going to be an evaluation there. How did we do? How did we do in our lives? And thankfully, we're there with a relationship. God knows us well. Because we have a relationship with him. And so this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So let's, let's dig down into this a little bit more. Think about the judgment seat of, of Christ. This word judgment seat really comes from one word in the Greek language, and that word is bima. It's, we put it in English, B-E-M-A. Um, and it's used to describe the platform where awards were given to those who had competed in the athletic games in Greece. Okay? They would compete for the games, and then they would appear before the judgment seat, the bima, to receive the rewards for what they had done in the games. And you know, I mean, Paul a number of times uses athletic race, a race to describe our lives here, right? Sometimes it seems more like a race than others, doesn't it? But, and so this idea that the, this rewards, and so this is important to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment not for sin, but for rewards, for rewards. And this is the way the Lord is toward us. Ephesians chapter 2, actually verses 8 and 9, we know real well, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. That's when we receive Christ as Savior, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has planned for us to do good things, to live in a way that people can see him in us and be drawn to him. But so he has plans for us to do that. So we've been talking the last few weeks here about this idea. If we put this, this is a timeline of our lives, okay? And at some point in our lives, if you're a believer, if you've received Christ as Savior, there's this point in time where you placed your faith in Christ. And at that point in time, every sin was forgiven. Uh, you got eternal life. God moves in, begins working on you. And the plan, as we just see here, the plan is that what? This begins to change us. It changes the way we think. It changes the decisions that we make. It changes how we feel about things in our lives. And it, as we begin to become more like Jesus, right? We, we grow to be like the Lord. And 
That's God's plan. And then we leave the body and enter heaven. And at some point up there, I don't know exactly when, but the judgment seat of Christ occurs. Okay? And that's the plan. And so God has this attitude toward us, a, a love, this, I can't really, I was trying to figure out this right word and I can't figure it out. But the right word, whatever it is, that's what he has toward us. Okay? In Psalm 103, the author talks about God's attitude toward us. He does not punish us for all our sins, those of us who have a relationship with him. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far, as, as far from us as the east is from the west. As far as the height of the heavens, that's how much he loves us. How far is that? Well, he hit about 99% of the atmosphere within about 62 miles. But they still find little bits of the atmosphere at 6,200 miles. And that's only if we're talking about this atmosphere heaven. If we're talking about space, how great is his love for us? Okay? And he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He said, where's the east? East is over there, right? Did you know that? <laughs> east is over there, actually. But so I start off in the east, and I, I want to go to the west. Now, if we're just thinking about our country, it's easy. You go from here to the other coast. But he didn't say that. He says, as far as the east is from the west. And so if we start here and we head west, when will we get there? It's really not intended to be a trick question. When, when will we get there? No, you can always keep going west. What? You just keep going west. Can the earth, you just go around and around. How far is that? That's how far he's removed your sins. They're gone from you. The prophet Micah, taught, God talking to his people, and Micah says, he says, talking about God, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. How deep is the sea? I think it's a song like that, right? How deep is the ocean? Um, the average depth of the ocean is over 12,000 feet. Over two miles, that's the average depth. The deepest trenches, like the Marianas Trench, over 35,000 feet. The ocean is deeper than Everest is high. Wow. Have you flown in a, a commercial airliner? 30, over 30,000 feet? You ever done that? You look down? That's how deep. That's deep. And you know what? There are some really weird critters live down there. <laughs> Go home there and do a search. Images, right? Weird critters that live in the deepest oceans. And I, I think I figured out why. Because God threw our sins there and it's really messed them up. <laughs> but do you catch the attitude that, 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 so as we go into the judgment seat of Christ to be judged, our lives are going to be judged, good and bad and all that kind of stuff, but we're not being judged to be found guilty for sins. He's not doing that for us there. All right? But we are examining our lives together. He and, he and I and he and you. So let's take our Bibles now and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to see more about how this is done, how this works.
First Corinthians chapter three. And Paul here is talking about how people have come to Christ, how God has used different people to, as part of that. Someone used an analogy of a garden, somebody hoes the ground up, somebody plants, somebody waters, somebody reaps. Um, so he's talking about that, but then he gets talking about it, what we're actually doing. We're building something. Let's start in verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. That was the, the uh, analogy he was just using, and now he's going to switch to another analogy. He says, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on. He's talking about other ministers, but then he's also talking about people themselves. And then he says this, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Okay, so we're building our lives. We need to think about how am I doing this? And what might motivate us to think about that. Well, just the story we talked about at the beginning, if you knew the pres- that president was going to come, it motivates you to, to be ready, wouldn't it? Okay, same ought to be true for us here. So we should take heed how we build on it. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's the starting point. All we've been talking about here today, if, if you don't have it, this, this someplace in your life where you have received Christ as Savior and you've settled that once and for all, that foundation isn't there. Jesus talks about that foundation, right? And he says, if you have a foundation, anything besides him, this solid rock, foundation not going to hold you, not going to sustain you. But so we have a foundation. We've received Christ as Savior. Christ is the foundation. Then verse 12, he says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Let's stop right there. The idea is that we are building on this foundation of Jesus Christ in our life with different kinds of things. Gold, silver, he says precious stones, and then he talks about wood. Anybody's house made of wood? I mean, we build with wood, don't we? Now, I don't know about building with hay and straw, but the idea is he's saying there are different things, different kinds of things that we can build on the foundation of our relationship with Jesus. And he's saying we need to be careful about this. What are we building on it? So let's continue to read. He says, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it. The day, this is the day of the judgment seat of Christ. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Okay, so let's just stick with the analogy for a minute. If we take gold and put it in a fire, when the fire's done, what do we have? Yeah, gold, that's right. How about silver? Silver, precious stones. They don't burn up, do they? How about wood? It'll burn fast, won't it, Michael? There's our fireman over here. Wood burns, hay burns, straw burns. And the picture here is this, that our lives get put into the fire to determine how we did, whether you know, determine good and bad. And some things we have done are like gold. Some things we have done are like silver. Some things we have done are like the precious stones. But then there's things in our lives that are like the wood and the hay and the straw And what happens to them? They burn up, they're gone. They're not significant anymore. And he says, so in our lives, we are building on this, we are living according to these things. 
All right, so what, is it, what are the things that, stop, stop, okay. What kinds of building materials do you want to use then in your life? You want the ones that aren't going to just disappear and be gone, right? The ones that can be put in the fire and are going to endure. So what are those kinds of things? Well, these would be the right things, right? Things that are right, things that are good and right. Things that we've learned from God and the Bible about. This is how you respond. This is what you do. This should be your priority. So those things are gold and silver and precious stones. And, and I think it includes our motives too. Our motives are part of that. And so we're building on that. But then there are also things in our lives where we aren't doing them. Maybe we're just doing the wrong thing. What's the Bible called the wrong thing? Sin, Sin. yeah. Sometimes we're doing an unwise thing, which isn't sin in itself, but if we know it's unwise, it becomes sin. This includes our actions and the things we do and the things we don't do. This includes what we're thinking about and what's in our hearts while we're doing them or not doing them. All right? And so in our lives, we're going to stand before the, with Jesus and look at our lives and, and see what was enduring, what was done for the Lord. What was done for the right reasons? What was done for the right way? What was done with the right motives? And be evaluated. And everything else isn't going to endure. And let's see what he says here. Let's read verse 13 again. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Okay, now he says, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. What does this mean, so as through fire? Well, remember we said, here's the intention. We receive Christ as Savior, that point in time, and, and he changes everything in us. And his intent is that then we grow and we do these good works. And, but if at some point all of a sudden we, we kind of stop doing that and we don't do it that anymore, that's not the right picture anymore, is it? But if we're genuinely saved, we'll still be there. But we will suffer loss. Wait a minute, I thought this was heaven. The judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be present with this one who loved you more than you even understood. He is there with you, and you see him in his holiness, and then you understand that forgiveness more than you ever have in your entire life. And and now you're looking at your life with him. And the only thing that will really matter at that point in time is, man, I, I want to please him here, but I know what's in my life, what's been in my life. And like, oh no, I know what's coming. Oh, don't look. Right, I mean, we, it's, it's gonna be a real deal. And if we have laid down a lot of stuff, and we've all actually laid down a lot of stuff that's wood, hay, and stubble. But I mean, if it isn't a growing, becoming less and less wood, hay, and stubble. See, as we're, we're going through life, you're gonna have a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. Sorry, that's King James word. Wood, hay, and straw. And you're gonna have a lot of it again, but hopefully it becomes more and more what? 
gold and silver and precious stones and less and less wood, hay and straw because we're growing, we're becoming more like the Lord. And, and, but if that's not there, this is a this wrong picture. It isn't the, you know, you lived your life like the Lord wasn't worthy. Oh man, I don't want to, oh, I, the only thing I will care about at this time is what is he thinking? You think this matters? should matter to us tremendously. Suffer loss. So imagine two things with me. How dreadful the loss will be and how glorious the rewards will be. How dreadful, because like I said, this loss isn't anything. I don't think it's about the rewards. You get it? I think this judgment won't be, oh, good, I get a reward. What is it? No, the greatest reward we ever had was that moment when we find ourselves in heaven and make eye contact with, this, with our Savior. Amen. I mean, everything from there is just, right? But the rewards will matter somehow, some way, they will. But the idea is what we want is for what we have done to please him. That's what we will want. And so when it doesn't, and when we look at this, and then we look at it again, and we look at that, and we look at that habit, and we look at those decisions, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And he says we will suffer, suffer loss. Now, that's not going to be forever, but I don't know, I just, I can't imagine, and I know, I know what's coming, I know in my life that I got plenty of wood, hay, and stubble, with hay and straw, I know that, but I've thankfully, by his grace, I've got a lot of growing gold, silver, and precious stones too. And when that judgment's all complete, I'm still gonna be there with the Lord, and it will be heaven. Now, here's a really interesting thing. Jesus talking to the disciples on, uh, right before he went to the cross, he teaching them how they need to to draw close to him, just like the, the grapevine and then the branches off that that bear fruit. He says, we need to just you know, be tight with him so that his life can flow into us. And he says to them, for without me, you guys know, right? For without me, you can do nothing. nothing. Okay, so that means I'm making right choices in life. I'm making good choices. I'm seeking to honor the Lord. I'm trying to live by his word. I'm trying to love you. And, and uh, I'm doing all of these things. And it's building up. It's gold. It's silver. It's precious stones. And the Lord said, for without me, you can do nothing. So what does that tell me about all of these things that I did? I didn't do it by myself, did I? The Lord was there working in my life. And, and so, here's a little phrase, and I, want you to, to just, I really want you to remember this as you go through life. God in us enables us. God in us, because when we see Christ, he came in us, he enables us to do the gold, silver, precious stone things. He enables us to do those things. We didn't, and so, here he is, he's rewarding us for the things that he did in us and through us, and we get the reward. How gracious is that? And we don't know exactly what the rewards will be. The Bible talks about crowns here and there, but when, when the Bible talks about crowns, when Paul's talking about it in relation to the athletic games, he's talking about 
um, the kind of crown that the uh, winner of the Boston Marathon gets put on their head when they cross the finish line. And go ahead and show that. It's a laurel wreath. That's the idea. That's what it would be. The other crowns, I don't know. But the idea is the crowns is that it is a reward that will be of value to us, will matter. And at some point in the book of Revelation, we see uh, a group of people who I think represent all of us taking their crowns off and giving them to the Lord, saying, you're the one who's worthy. So when I start thinking about this judgment seat of Christ, the whole outcome and what's going on in our lives, the fact that we've been saved and the fact that he's enabled us to grow and we, we have all this mess that burns up and goes away, but we have the other stuff that endures. Paul said in the right beginning of Ephesians, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Heavenly blessings. So how do we respond to this? Well, if you don't know the Lord, Savior, you gotta take care of that. Or you'll be at the great white throne judgment and condemned, found guilty and condemned. So you need to receive Christ as Savior. If you have questions about that, please talk to one of us. We'll be glad to help you. But then I think this, we need to live ready for the judgment seat of Christ. We know it's coming, don't we? We forget it's coming, but we know it's coming. So we wanna remember, we wanna start to live. How would I like to live? He's coming, I'm gonna be meeting him, he's coming. For me, I'll be going to him. Live for the judgment seat of Christ. And what does that mean? Well, here's, here's the strategy, okay? I want to have the right reasons for doing the right things the right way. And I wrote that and I said, that's pretty cool. And I thought, that'll never work. Because this doesn't happen by your hard work. Yeah, should we have the right reasons? We should, we should try to have the right reasons. Should we try to do the right things? Yeah, we should, we need to learn what those are. What's the right way to do those things? We need to learn, oh, that's, that's good and true. But let me tell you how you learn those things. You learn those things by pursuing your relationship with Christ. That personal relationship with him where you draw close to him and you learn to love him and you learn what he's like and, and it starts to change you. Then you'll, your, your desires will change. Your reasons will change. What you, the choices you make will change and how you do those things will change. But it's, it has to be by, about pursuing our relationship with Christ. Again, without me you can do nothing and God in us, what? Enables us. See, so pursue your relationship with Christ. And when you get serious about that, it'll change you. And then the judgment seat of Christ becomes more and more something to really look forward to, not to be afraid of. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're so grateful that when we receive your son as savior that, that we never will face a judgment for our sins to determine our guilt that you've already done that. The Lord, help us to really be serious about thinking about how we live our lives. We, we've talked about um, you being the most important person in our lives before anybody else, including the family that we love so much. You've told us we have to carry our cross and follow you, which means it could be painful and hard. You told us we need to forsake all, let it all go to you and then just follow. But Lord, we... I pray, Lord, we just see our lives that way. Just give our lives over to you completely.
Let you work in our lives. Let you in us do things that will show themselves to be gold and silver and precious stone at your judgment seat with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you so much for being here today. A couple of things. We're going to have our Genesis Bible study uh, starting about 1130. Listen, if you have teens, man, I encourage you to stay and have them here with you. So important because so many kids go off to college and lose their faith because they haven't learned the kinds of things we're teaching you here. All right. All right. God bless you.